Hello and welcome back to the Go For Two podcast and welcome back to week one review. I'm Liam, your host, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host all the way from uh, back from Ibiza. It is Patrick. Patrick, how are you doing and how uh, tanned slash sunburnt are you? <laughs> well, do you know what? Um, my missus has got a super tan and I, my arms look well tanned, but then when I take my shirt off, it's bad news, mate. I'm still quite red and I've been home for <laughs> my days now. <laughs> <laughs> you got a typical British suntan then. Yeah, a proper British suntan. <laughs> very good, very good. Um, um, did you get home in time to watch Red Zone? I did. I was home for 45 minutes in time. I was very, I'm getting a bit worried at one point because if anyone's ever been to Manchester Airport and know when there's a few flights at once coming in, passport control is chaos. So I was quite concerned at one point but yeah it worked out in the end nice you got back and it was actually quite a fun red zone to um to get back for but um yeah we'll break it down we're recording this a bit a bit late because unfortunately i was away with work this week so that's the first time we're going to do so it's going to be a bit more of a smaller preview today and then friday we'll have a full review of weekend's actions coming and we'll do a little bit of thursday night football as well today later in the episode because uh Patrick is very nervous about this uh, this game, so we'll do a little bit of a um, bit of a preview. Um, we also we picked every game against the spread last week, um, but obviously that wasn't your picks. So I think we start from week two for our official game. Do you think is that good with you? Yeah. How did you do last week? Yeah. So last week uh, I scored ten, and Lee got. Oh, Lee got 10 as well. So 10-10. <laughs> uh, we actually split the... the So our difference is we basically split down the middle. He had Lions, I had Chiefs, um, I had Titans. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, I had Titans, he had Saints. Um, he had 49ers, I had Steelers. I had the Dolphins, he had the Chargers. So we kind of split it exactly down the middle. I had the Packers, he decided to pick the Bears, which was a brave decision. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we went 10-10. So I thought we might as well start our official ones from... Uh, from from this week but yeah it was a good 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 week one so thanks for, for for lee for filling in um in terms of news before we talk about the weekend's action um just wanted to mention that the full 10 yards kickoff party was really fun uh we are going to do another one next year i think we are might do either a london party or a thanksgiving party or a playoff i'm not sure yet there will be another event but it was really really good and uh I sat next to a Steelers fan that brought a terrible towel, which was one of the best experiences <laughs> of my life. He had that put in his pocket by five past six. <laughs> well, I messaged, uh, for everyone listening, I messaged Patrick the day after to say that his introduction line to me was, oh, I'm surprised you're not embarrassed to wear a Patrick Mahomes shirt to uh, <laughs> to this party. And then 30 seconds later, Kenny Pickett had thrown, I think, his second interception and Brock Purdy was looking like Joe Montana. Uh, against that Steelers defense, so uh, it did make me laugh. But it was a very, very fun event. So yeah, everyone should uh, should check it out. Um, a couple of contracts to talk about, and uh, we'll start with the big one first. Joe Burrow, mate, is now the highest paid player in uh, NFL history. Uh, the Bengals, I think it was the actual night of Thursday night football when the Chiefs kicked off, uh, they decided to do it. And Adam, per Adam Schefter, he said the team had had this deal done all day, but decided to wait until. <laughs> until the Chiefs game live to do it. So before we talk about the actual contract, um, I'm sure you're a fan of that uh, Bengals-Chiefs pettiness there, right? Yeah, yeah, big fan of that. Yeah, obviously then 
they wouldn't have looked ahead three days in their crystal ball and seen that they were <laughs> going to get a beat down. But, um, yeah, at least they got that in on Thursday night, right? Exactly, yeah. And it was a five-year, $275 million deal goes past Herbert. Doesn't do the thing. I think a lot of people thought they wouldn't pay him loads of guarantees up front. They did. I think he had the most, second most guarantees behind Deshaun Watson ever. A lot of people did think Joe Burrow would do eight, seven, eight, nine, ten years to try and make it easier to keep people around, but he didn't. He did five years, so kind of, it's much more of a standard NFL contract, I think, than people thought. Um, obviously, he deserves it, mate. It's a lot of money. Um, T. Higgins' deal didn't get done in advance of the season, which the rumour was that that would get done. I'm not sure where that's going to go long term, but yeah, I think overall it makes perfect amount of sense. But I would say the fact it's five years now and they've gone heavy up front with guarantees does mean they'll probably lose a couple of players, but I think it was smart of them to sign some of their, their their players on defense before this contract, and then we'll see what it means for T. Higgins. But it's a no-brainer, isn't it, for the Bengals? It's just interesting to see what the next maybe two years look like. I think the team could change quite a bit, potentially. Yeah, yeah, I think it's they're going to need to get some young, good talent in there, aren't they? Especially at receiver, because, you know, T. Higgins is going to kind of... Obviously, as you would if you was him, you're going to want to get paid, aren't you? So the, the likelihood of that happening feels like it's less now. So them getting maybe young talent in is going to be uh, imperative in the next two to three years. So, yeah, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? The big contract. Like I said, I am a fan of the timing. The, 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 the coolness of that has worn off now, hasn't it? <laughs> Definitely. So it's more of a worry. For, but I wouldn't encourage anyone listening to go check out the top 10 of the Bengals guaranteed money of all time that I saw on Twitter. can't remember who posted it. It's absolutely mind-blowing behind uh, Burrow. There's barely any guaranteed money ever been spent there. So it really is kind of out of uh, pocket, isn't it, for the Bengals to have done this with so much guaranteed money. Not that really they had much choice, but it's just mind-blowing when you compare it to the rest of the list. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um it is good for them that they've managed to kind of buck that trend now. I think the stadium naming rights has really helped, hasn't it? I think that gave the franchise a lot more money up front, basically. Yeah. Um, cool. Another, there's actually more than one deal. Um, Nick Bosa is now the highest paid defensive player in the NFL. A five-year, $170 million contract extension with San Francisco. He signed, he's got the same agent as Joe Burrow. He signed the day before. Uh, I know we spoke about it briefly, uh, me and Lee did, but... Um, any takes on on that contract? Obviously, fully deserved and uh, kind of is a massive question answered for San Francisco, I think, for the season and for the next few years. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to tie down one of the you know, top three in the defensive ends, but I didn't realise that they had the same agent. Hey, he is living the life, isn't he, this week? <laughs> what a week, what a week. He's like, literally yeah, yeah. coming to holiday on uh, Sunday morning immediately, hasn't he? <laughs> flown straight to Vegas, that's what I... <laughs> do I think <laughs> yeah yeah great great deal for the Niners uh, also got um, didn't this uh, make them more cap space as well I think they got the most cap space in the NFL now this season I think I read yeah did that trade deadline day it might be a nice deal coming they'll sign someone like they did with CMC I'm sure yeah very interesting really Bose you also forget he's only 25 years old I know he's young He's young. He gets a bit of an injury rap as well, but he's actually only had two major injuries. Like, he's only had two injuries. They just happened to be like when he first started his NFL career, but he was uh, very healthy apart from that. So very different to his brother. So I think it's a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good contract. And they obviously pair him next to uh, Armstead and Hargreave, don't they? So 
it's very good for the defense. But when you have a seventh rounder starting at QB, you can afford, afford loads of players like this, can't you? Yeah, exactly. So let's see if that can carry on for paying dividends. Definitely. Um, cool. Um, there are other deals done. So Cesar Ruiz signed a four-year, $44 million contract extension with New Orleans. He's guard, can play center. Um, bit underwhelming, to be honest, compared to how good he was in the draft process. So I am surprised he got such a high deal, but um, the Saints do love to uh, do love to play their players. Uh, we had two long snappers get paid the most a long snapper's ever been paid in a week. Uh, so, uh, yeah, shout out to the uh, least important position in uh, in the NFL, getting four years, $6 million deal for Luke Rhodes, whoever that is, for the Colts. And then the last one, um, Chris Jones. It's not an extension, technically. Um, he signed a one-year deal with the Chiefs. They kind of ripped up the current deal, got a new deal. Uh, he basically has loads of incentives, including winning a Super Bowl, Defensive Player of the Year, 15 sacks, um, that if he does it all, he can make slightly more money than he would have made if he just wouldn't hold out. But I think it's only a million. Basically, the most incentives mean he just makes up the money that he lost from <laughs> all the fines. So I think it's probably one of the uh, worst holdouts in NFL history. That, um, But yeah, any thoughts on the Chris Jones one-year kind of deal? And he can be tagged now next year as well? Yeah, now he can be tagged. It kind of makes it easier for the Chiefs, doesn't it? But then we'll see what happens. <clears throat> Excuse me, if he is tagged next year. Yeah, it's a bit of a strange move on his part, but hey, it's good for the Chiefs getting back on the field. Yeah, it would be good. To, it would be good. Um, cool. Let's go to uh, our week one review then. So, like I said, this will be shorter, shorter than it will be in some other weeks, uh, just because of the timing. But we are going to try. You've heard the good, bad, and the ugly. We're going to do the good, bad, and the surprising, similar to what we did in the first year. So it uh, could be players, games, scores, performances, teams. We'll see where it goes. But the idea is we'll talk about most of the games. We aren't going to touch on every game every week like we did last year. We decided that we wanted to spend a bit more time on the stuff that we found interesting rather than just kind of rush through every game towards the end of the pod. So, um, yeah, there might be some uh, Carolina Panthers or... Arizona Cardinals games throughout the year that get ignored, but I'm sure no one listening is going to uh, going to care much. Um, so kick us off, mate. Wherever you want to go, we we'll start with good, bad, whatever. We give me uh, give me uh, a team player or topic that you found interesting. Yeah, come on, let's keep it positive for the first week of the season. I'm going to go good, and I'm going to go last season's NFC runners up the San Francisco 49ers. We could, of course, gone bad here. We could have gone the Steelers getting blown away in the first half. But no, I'm going to stick with Gordon. The 49ers thought look the most complete team in week one. Obviously, we had the Cowboys as well, the big scoreline. But they, for me, uh, as far as complete team goes, defence looked awesome. But on offence, they looked scary. And Brandon Ayuk looked like he'd gone... <laughs> Another level. His, his stats were great. Obviously, Patrick Peterson looks like a fool now. I mean, he's an absolute like Patrick Peterson was a great cornerback for like a decade, and I don't know why he was kind of running his mouth. Do you know what I mean? Against a superior team, to be honest. But yeah, Ayub was great. CMC was amazing again. His long touchdown run was a lot of fun and. Brock Purdy, he looked good, didn't he? He's, yeah, he did. He did. He did look good. He looked good moving around. And know his stats are kind of modest, but um, he didn't really put many throws in danger or anything like that. So, yeah, they, they all round. I thought they were the best team in, in, in football in week one. 
yeah, like I said, I watched this next to a Steelers fan, so um, it was quite it was quite fun. I'm a friend of the podcast. Uh, I'm one of my close friends, Jack, is a 49ers fan, so I had him on WhatsApp groups as well. So I was getting both sides of the argument in this uh, in this game. But yeah, uh, were they the most complete? They probably were the most complete. Um, we'll talk about the Cowboys later, but um, the defense of the 49ers was as good as advertised. Um, we could have gone bad because I do think the Steelers' offense that everyone raved about in preseason, it still looks like the same Matt Canada offense to me. Is Kenny Pickett better than I thought? At times in preseason, he looked better than I thought. So it could just be the offense, but he threw some terrible passes in this game. He should have been picked about four times. I think he was picked twice. Um, but yeah, he should have been picked three or four times. But I did think the 49ers defense um, looked very, really good. I said the Steelers offensive line had gotten better in the summer, but you wouldn't know that. Uh, they were absolutely dominant. I think they had seven players that had a tackle for loss in this game. Seven different players that had a tackle for loss, which is... Oh, sorry, six different players that attack for loss, which is nuts. Um, and yeah, and from the offensive side, I'm sceptical of Brock Purdy, but he was good in this game. <laughs> there was a lot of like kind of point and shoot throws, as they call it, where you can just hit an open man from the scheme. But I don't know what you felt like. I felt like running around, but also kind of extending plays, stepping up in the pocket, on the move throws. I felt like he did a little bit more of his own creation than maybe I normally give him credit for, whether that was just Steelers' defence having a bad day in the secondary or, or or what. But, yeah, I was actually more impressed by uh, by Purdy than I thought. And they finished with 144 rushing yards more than the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> Which says a lot about both teams' rushing attack, I think, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It says a lot. I mean, not... I mean, Najee Harris only had six carries. I mean, I guess they were behind from the from the get go, weren't they? But you're not going to win many games with Kenny Pickett throwing four or six times, unfortunately. So, uh, all many games with Kenny Pickett overall. Not sure about that one. So we'll have to see that kind of down the line. I felt like in our previews in the summer, we was kind of up on him, weren't we? But uh, so we'll see how, see how that goes. Yeah, so they have 15 first downs, which I do not remember those 15 first downs, but um, apparently they did have those. Um, but yeah, they, they, he got sacked five times through two interceptions and there was a fumble that they didn't lose it. They recovered their own fumble, but um, yeah, pretty bad from the Steelers. But yeah, very good performance from the 49ers. I thought CMC looked great. Um, like you said, Brandon Ayuk was probably the star of the show from a receiving perspective. Uh, and they only did this with what three uh, three receptions for 19 yards from George Kittle. Like there's still like another level for them to go in terms of passing in the middle of the field. So um, yeah, I thought the offense was impressive. But yeah, for me, I'm like coming out of that game. I think Purdy played better than I thought. But I'm also was kind of like yeah, CMC is so good. I I think I was maybe playing him down a little bit in the summer because obviously he has had those injury worries. But it's like yeah, if he's healthy, the offense can be nuts, isn't it? Yeah, I mean if he is healthy for all of the regular and postseason. I mean, the Niners are going to pull up some insane stats. It's, yeah, pretty scary for the rest of the NFC if he's going to play like that. So, yeah, we'll see how Purdy kind of progresses. It, like you said, when he was actually stepping up in the pocket, that's kind of things that we've not seen a lot of last season. So that was, yeah, good progression from him. Definitely. Uh, I will say, though, Kyle Shanahan does not need to leave CMC rushing the football in the fourth quarter when they're up by 20 points with his injury history. Yeah, that is a strange, strange decision. It was funny that um, 
Elijah Mitchell had like four or five carries. I was thinking like when you're winning that many, that should be a game of CMC then in the second half, just the usage tilts down a bit, keep him healthy. But yeah, it was a very good win. Um, for my good, we mentioned him briefly, um, and I could not say him. It was the other team in the NFC that looked completely and utterly dominant. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys, Patrick wasn't going to pick them because uh, of a deep-seated rivalry. So uh, <laughs> I picked uh, I picked the Cowboys. They beat the Giants 40-0 to on Sunday Night Football. I was watching this game in a casino with a group of Giants podcasters. So safe to say it was a somber moment for most people <laughs> in the uh, in the casino. Um, but yeah, this game was was crazy. I would probably agree the 49ers were more of a dominant overall team because the Cowboys offense actually wasn't great. Um, I think Tony Pollard averaged five yards a carry, which is probably better than I thought. He had two touchdowns, 14 carries, 70 yards. So that's positive from an offense's perspective. But the pass game was not great. Dak finished 13 for 24, 143 yards. Um, most of that went to CeeDee Lamb. Brandon Cooks had two receptions for 12. But yeah, Michael Gallup again didn't look like he could barely get open, which was a bit of a worry. But the reason they won 40-0 to zero was obviously the defence. The defence was absolutely nuts. They were the team that had seven players that completed uh, tackles for loss. Uh, they held the Giants to 5-16 for 16 on third down. Uh, seven sacks, three punts. They forced six penalties two interceptions, a fumble lost, and I think it's one of the highest scoring defensive performances in uh, fantasy football um, in the last 10 years. I think it was fourth. Um, so, yeah, the defense was nuts. Micah Parsons was incredible. Dante Fowler, weirdly, was really good, but obviously that's because he's playing next to such a great team. Um, and then Trayvon Diggs, someone who got a lot of stick in that first year for being an interception merchant. Um, he, he forced a fumble, had an interception, had two pass breakups against Jalen Hyatt down the field. So, for me, mate, I think I know this not quite as complete. The score looks much better than the 49ers, but the offense wasn't as good. But I thought the defense showed why I think it's probably going to be the best in the league. I think I haven't seen many defensive performances like that on the road in a, in a long time, especially on a Sunday night football. Yeah, I mean, obviously the defense was absolutely ridiculous. And it is. Could very well end up being the number one unit in the league on that, on that side of the ball. But the Giants' offensive line was like a turnstile. <laughs> it was just absolutely woeful. I mean, so uh, unlike overall just day ball and just everything, it was just kind of like the absolute opposite of what they were last season. So it was just, yeah, I know what you're saying. Obviously, I said the 49 is the most complete team. I just think the lack of overall offensive stats from the Cowboys would probably put them in it. Like, if he was doing a power ranking, you'd I'd probably slip him in at number two. But they didn't need the offensive stats, did they, at the end of the game? It was just kind of, end of the day, they just controlled the ball when they had it, and, and that's all they needed to do. I mean, the score was absolutely shocking. As you can imagine, I didn't watch this live. Um, my eyes nearly popped out of my head in the morning when I picked my phone up. I was like, oh, my God. I just could not. I just absolute could not believe. It. I feel like this this week for the Giants is like their season opener. It's just absolutely ridiculous, isn't it? At home at the first game, but yeah, taking nothing away from the Cowboys defense looks absolutely incredible, doesn't it? Which is obviously as a fan, I think oh god, that's not great, is it? Because the Eagles didn't look fantastic on offense or anything, but yeah, they looked immense to be honest. And what a shame we've been. Uh, robbed of an absolutely incredible game this week without Rogers, but uh, <laughs> yeah, two great defenses coming up against each other this week, isn't there? So yeah, 
Cowboys looking scary good. Might be more points on defense and offense in a game like that with the uh, <laughs> yeah. how, how the offense is uh, is might look. But yeah, it was dominant. Like I said, we'll see about the Cowboys' offense. I still have a lot of faith in it overall. But like you said, they just didn't need to. They just didn't need to show much in in a game like this. Uh, even Cooper Rush came in for an attempt. Um, so yeah, we'll see what it's like next week. Where I do think that yes, it's Zach Wilson, but I still think there's a chance the offense will have to do a little bit better to to win the game as comfortably as they did. From a Giants perspective, obviously there's not much to say. The defense was okay, but they were put in bad positions. The offense was terrible. And I was sat next to a friend who's a Browns fan <laughs> that was uh, like drunkenly quite loudly slagging off the Daniel Jones contract throughout. And I could just see the uh, Giants fans next to us constantly looking, but not arguing because they were kind of like in the heart of hearts, they agree. Even though three hours earlier I had a conversation with one saying that they wouldn't they wouldn't have. Uh, they don't want Caleb Williams. They'd rather have done the Daniel Jones contract, which is quite a unique perspective. But um, yeah, Giants' offense looked absolutely terrible. Darren Waller was just doubled all night, so we'll see if he has a bigger impact. But yeah, um, I think week two will be very telling if the Giants bounce back or do they do they kind of do the same again? But we'll see. Um, cool. Give me next one. Are you going for good, bad, or surprising? No, we're going to have to go bad now, to be honest. And I'm going to go for perhaps my biggest disappointment of the week. The Seahawks. Oh, yeah. Mate, absolutely unbelievable. What is unforgivable is they had 12 yards of offence in the second half. Leading, leading at half-time as well. I mean, that has got to be the worst second-half performance I can ever remember. Uh, the, the start I saw was obviously they had 12 yards in the second half. Only the last time a team had worse was 2008 when the Bears had two yards. <laughs> <laughs> that just tells that was historically awful. And just, yeah, really, really shocking with kind of the state of the Rams' defensive starters. I mean, take nothing away from what the Rams did. That was a complete shock, to be honest, on offense, just compared to kind of what I thought. In the summer, but yeah, from the Seahawks' perspective, it was—I mean, it's absolutely shambolic, isn't it? I had them to gain the playoffs, and I think in the seventh the slot, that—that that was completely now worrying. Thirteen first downs to twenty-seven, two of nine on third down. Just—I <laughs> mean, they had the ball for twenty minutes as well. It was just everything was just completely, completely wrong. And the, the 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 throws that Gino, I mean, I wouldn't just put it all on Gino Smith. It was everything, but the, the throws that he was actually making was just so kind of simple compared to last season. I thought they'd let him step up the pocket, step up in the pocket, and throw quite deep quite often. But this time around, it was there was yeah, there was nothing like that. He threw for 112 yards on 26 attempts. It was just. Yeah, not good. Not a good start. My my uh, mate Jackson Smith in Jigger, I said could be wide receiver one by the end of the season was thirteen yards on three catches. So overall, terrible, terrible day at the office on both sides of the ball for the Seahawks. Yeah, it was bad. There was one Seahawks fan uh out on Sunday night and uh his pic- his face was a picture throughout the uh there's no way he could have expected anything like that. <laughs> nah I think he's expecting a double digit win. Um yeah this was probably one of the most surprising final score was Rams thirty Seahawks thirteen. Uh even in the first half, I know the numbers aren't as shocking as the second half, but even the first half the offense wasn't great. You know what I mean? It just felt like 
they run the ball well, they try and run it again, they run it badly, they throw a go ball to DK or tied down the sideline, didn't quite work out, obviously, as you can see with the, the passing yards, apart from the one where he was open uh, in, the, in the end zone, which was terrible coverage from the Rams. But, um, yeah, it's a terrible performance. A team that I think we both put in the playoffs, didn't we? Um, we didn't quite go as far as winning the division like some people did, but we put them both in the playoffs. I thought they would have double-digit wins. They could still have double-digit wins, but to lose it to a team like the Rams without Cooper Cup, by 17 points. I don't know if you saw this, but Cam Akers had like 13 carries in the fourth quarter. So it almost felt like if they wanted to, the Rams could have put the pedal kind of down even more and scored more points or field goals and and kind of kept the score even bigger, but they just didn't need to do it. So yeah, it, it's pretty eye-opening. I think the Seahawks lost both tackles as well in the game. Um, there's no word if they're going to play this weekend or not. It's not long-term injuries, but it's short-term. So yeah, it couldn't have gone much worse from a Seahawks perspective. Even Ty Lockett got injured with his hamstring and then came back in the game and they were losing by t- two scores, which felt like unnecessary to even bring him back. So yeah, overall, it was a, it was a bad one. Um, I did want to call out, I know it's the bad section, but um, I thought Aaron Donald looked crazy good. Almost like he's heard all the talk about the defense and been like, no one's sl- slating me because you all say it's Aaron Donald plus loads of randomers, but... Any unit I play on is going to be a good unit because he was absolutely crazy good. And I don't know if you've seen the clip about Gino screaming, uh, oh, my God, is Aaron Donald about to absolutely nail him? <laughs> it's absolutely amazing that. It's, uh, yeah, it's brilliant. So, yeah, well, good, good game for the Rams. They're 1-0, top of the division, joint top of the division. What, what, what a time to be alive. Uh, and Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell were out here looking like Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill in terms of... Uh, how often they were getting open. I think they finished... Nakua finished 10 receptions for 119. 2-2 <laughs> finished 6 receptions for 119 yards as well. Oh my God, they both got 119 yards. I didn't even know that until I looked at this. Um, and Matt Stafford looked incredible, by the way. And I thought... I, he, he looked legit good. Like, if they get Cooper Cup back, my shout in our preview of I think the Rams are going to be better than people think because the offense is going to be great. I think that looks even better now after this game. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. He looks so good, didn't he? Yeah. Up to come. So yeah. By the way, before before um, the game on Sunday, Tutu Atwell had 298 yards in his career receiving so far. <laughs> he added a few on there, didn't he? So he did. He did. He, he, yeah, that's a funny draft bit. Everyone's slating. It'll be hilarious if he's good now. Absolutely hilarious. Um, cool. I'm going to go a bad as well. Um, and I am going to go for a team that I do not mind slagging off. Uh, I'm going for the Cincinnati Bengals. Oof. Obviously, they announced the contract during the Chiefs game. Obviously, Chiefs lost, so I'm already salty. Um, and then they come out and lay an absolute egg. Everyone told me, I did pick them in the betting podcast for the full 10 yards as well. I did pick the Bengals, so they stitched me twice, really, from that perspective. Everyone told me the Browns always beat the Bengals, but this is two completely different teams. So I was kind of hoping for that stick to be over. But 24-3 to the Browns. Deshaun Watson actually looked awful as well, especially in the first two and a half quarters. He had a good two drives in the third. Um, but yeah, Bengals scored three points. Joe Burrow finished four, <laughs> 14 for 31. for 14 of 31 for 82 yards, which is nuts. Joe Mixon actually carried the ball better than he's carried it for a while. And he only finished with 13 and carries for 56 yards. I think T. Higgins had something like eight targets, zero receptions, zero fantasy points from eight targets. Um, and Nick Chubb obviously ran the ball well for 18 carries, 106 yards. So, yeah, for me, it was kind of crazy to see how bad the Bengals' run defense was at times, something they're normally pretty good at. 
Um, their secondary looked fine, but I thought Watson looked really bad. So when he had a couple of drives where he, he moved the ball down the field, that didn't look great. But then obviously it's the Bengals' offense that just looked terrible. Miles Garrett had his way with Orlando Brown Jr. and the center. Uh, there's a funny video of him doing an NBA crossover before he. Oh my god, that video! That is that is the height of disrespect, isn't it? It's a sick move as well because he goes left, the guy sells out completely, and then he just spins to the right and just nails Joe Burrow. And I was like, yeah, I was like, he might be the best. He might. I still think it's Parsons, but I watched that clip and I was like, yeah, you might be the best defender in the NFL. <laughs> that's that, that's how good he is. But yeah, um, terrible game for Burrow. Another year we start slow after a, a bad camp. Um, but one thing that was more surprising this time was, I don't know if you noticed this, but he couldn't even grip, he couldn't just can't, couldn't grip the ball in the rain. I know he doesn't have big hands. He has small hands and it's never really mattered before, but I was trying to look back how many bad games he's played in the wet, in, in the rain. And he hasn't actually played that many in the rain in his time in Cincinnati. And, uh, the ball was slipping out of his hand all over the place, mate. Yeah, it was. It just, there was a lot of ducks going in the air, weren't there? I mean, 82 yards after signing that contract. It's a good job that they weren't playing. On the Thursday night, isn't it? But then when you come out with that. So it was, yeah, it was just bad overall. I think you were right to put this in the bad section and not the good for the Browns, even though the defence was absolutely incredible. To be honest, with for the Browns, were they? I was going to say before you brought it up, that crossover was just, you shouldn't be doing that on a, <laughs> on a professional NFL lineman. That should be something that you do on me and you in the park, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? It's absolutely ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I thought the secondary looked uh, really good as well for the, for the Browns in coverage. I mean, T. Higgins, he was covered well, but not, not receptions on eight targets is terrible. So yeah, Bengals... Got the Ravens this week. Got to win. Got to win, mate. Yeah, I know it's it's. I know it's not. Um, they started not. I think they started zero and two last year. I think didn't they? But you know, it's you won that one seed, don't you? But I think what's disappointing is, I mean, we spoke a few times now since it's down to only one bye in the playoffs. Every time your rival loses, it's massive. So you know the Chiefs have already lost that one game. This was a chance to get out ahead of the first week, which is so rare, really, isn't it? But, yeah, Bengals just couldn't take advantage. It looked absolutely awful. So they'll need a big bounce back this week. It's, uh, it's going to be very interesting, that game this week. Definitely, definitely. Um, cool. Give me a... Uh... Good, bad, or surprising? Let's go. I'm going to go. You know what? I'm going to go surprising. And this, I don't know where this would fit in in good or bad. I think you'd probably uh, slide it in bad somewhere. But I'm going to go surprising. I'm actually going to go the Bucks winning on the road at the Vikings. I was, I was really pleased with that, actually, because Baker Mayfield... Uh, I do love Baker from, uh, from his college days and just kind of what character he was. But, uh, yeah, great win on the road and if you kind of if you haven't watched this game you just look through the stats on it you'd be thinking yeah the Vikings kind of passed them off the field and because they've got high yardage they had the same kind they had more first downs the third down efficiency was better everything like that time of possession was shared turnovers three turnovers for the Vikings really costly the Bucks were stiff on defence when they needed to be. And, you know, Baker threw two touchdowns, zero interceptions. 
on 34 passing attempts. He kind of that's the most that I think you can get out of that offense. You know, to to try and be efficient with with Baker because Evans and Godwin had 11 catches between them, but for only like a 10 and a half yard average. So I feel like that's the kind of around the ceiling for the Bucks offense. But Bucks D was great. So. At the t- when they needed to be, they came up with three takeaways. And, yeah, that was t- changed the game. A terrible loss for the Vikings at home, though. Yeah, completely, completely agree. Um, yeah, I was surprised by this. I thought they, the Vikings would easily win this game, even if the defence was bad, which the defence wasn't bad, really, Like in terms of like what they gave Bacon May- Mayfield. wasn't a great performance. I know he was efficient at times in the second half on some long drives, but... Yeah, the defense was not as bad as I thought, but yeah, for the team overall to score 17 points and lose is not is not great. Um, did you see the Baker Mayfield uh, run stiff arm on? I don't know who it was. Now was it yeah, Byron Murphy? Murphy? I think it was. Yeah, to put some weight on. I was like, oh, Patrick's going to bloody love that when he sees that on Twitter. Absolutely love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would say if the Buccaneers can get the run game going as well, they might win a few more games. Oh, Rashad White finished with two and a half yards of carry, which is not great. Um, so, yeah, overall, uh, it was surprising. But I think there's some positives for the Bucs. Uh, the fumbles lost for the Vikings were terrible, I have to say. I don't know if you've seen them both, but yeah, yeah. it was pretty embarrassing. Um, they were close to bad, but I actually think it is surprising because a lot of people think the Bucs would only win three or four games, five games. And I know they could still only do that, but to win on the road in week one with Baker Mayfield after his start to his, his career... Um, definitely uh, a surprising one. Um, I'm going to go for a good, I think. I'm going to go for a man that I slag off very often. I'm going to go for Tua Ooh. as good versus the bad Chargers defense. <laughs> so that is the other side of this. Is I haven't seen a defense play as bad as the Chargers. Um, Tyreek Hill faced 21 snaps of man coverage which is the most he's faced since the Tampa Bay Buccaneers game where the Chiefs scored 28 points in a quarter uh, and Tyreek Hill had 200 yards in a quarter. Um, for some reason, Brandon Staley decided to uh, to do the same. But I wanted to call out Tua because, uh, A, I don't think he's very good, and I might be wrong. It looks like I am wrong. Um, but he played a very good game, 28-45, 466 yards, three interceptions, one sorry, three touchdowns, one interception. Um, some of those stats are schemed up. Like Mike McDaniel might be a top three offensive coordinator. I know he's a head coach, but he calls the plays. He might be a top three offensive play caller in the NFL. Like it is clearly like a top four of uh, Andy Reid, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and and Mike McDaniel for me. I just think that's how good how good he is. But I wanted to call, I wanted to call two out because he had multiple throws where he was on the run over people's heads, kind of dots, kind of. Um, reading the play before someone's even open. Uh, it wasn't all just open, fast, wide receivers like it felt like it was at times last year. Um, he moved out of the pocket well. He actually threw the ball away, which sounds funny that to say that's a good thing, but twice when he would normally have got absolutely nailed on a sack. So for me, it was more how he played, like a couple of throws over people's heads on the move is just something he just didn't do. He's always been a good deep passer, but that's kind of stood still, get his feet set, fast receivers. Whereas this was much more like, under pressure, on the move, kind of bootleg right, bootleg left. And uh, yeah, I just thought Tua looked really good. Obviously, the stats are amazing, but he had amazing stats in some games last year. But I actually thought the way he got the stats this year 
was more impressive to me the actual way that those passes came around rather than the, the, the massive stat line so yeah and they beat the Chargers 36-34 in a game where uh, I love Justin Herbert but for anyone who doesn't love Justin Herbert uh, another game where uh, he ended the game <laughs> by not scoring on the final drive and the other quarterback did score so I saw um, Twitter was praising Tura a lot and Slayton Herbert so it feels like these two are never going to uh, be separated there was going to be a rival it feels like never going to be separated next to each other in the draft kind of brings that doesn't it and with the loftier expectations on a guy that's deemed more talented isn't he Justin Herbert so yeah that's I feel like they're not going to be separated but no, I completely agree with you I thought the final the the, the winning touchdown pass is only obviously on the in the record books only show four four yard pass but yeah in, incredibly accurate and just the only place where kind of the the pass needed to be so yeah there's also a couple I've seen some great angles where he steps up in the pocket to uh, Tyree Kill as well who passes down the field that just yeah looked awesome for him I really hope he can kind of stay healthy and and he's going to progress his 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 career like that Uh, run game needs work um last season (laughs) Isn't it for for the Dolphins? I think we was all expecting McDaniel to kind of bring that across from the, from from his from his previous role. But uh, yeah, don't know what to say on the Chargers though, where their run game looked incredible at times. I mean, Josh Kelly was um, came out from nowhere. I think I dropped him in every fantasy league over the summer, <laughs> and then he comes up with uh, ninety-one yards rushing, but. <laughs> Yeah, we're worried about the Chargers because you kind of want. Obviously, the AFC is so so deep with with talent that uh, yeah, you don't want kind of the Justin Herbert and the Chargers to get uh, lost in all of that. But yeah, great win for the Dolphins on the road, and like I said, great for Chua. Probably his best performance, wasn't it, in the in yeah. his NFL career? Definitely, yeah. And from the Chargers' perspective, it was a top five rushing efficiency game of all time, and they still lost. So. I think Eckler was seven and a half yards to carry, uh, did get a bit of an injury. And then, like you said, Kelly ended up with 91 yards, which was nearly six yards to carry. So, yeah, the, from a Dolphins perspective, I think their defence, they had three drives, especially on the, including the last one, where the front four or front five, because they were blitzing sometimes, looked really good, which we all thought they would. But the back end and the run defence looked absolutely terrible. They had four pass interference calls on them in the first half. Um I think three were on Xavier Howard. So I think the Dolphins look bad, but that only makes the two impressive. Sorry, the Dolphins' defense look bad, but that only made the two performance more impressive to me because he had he was conceding points and long drives on the other end all the time. And to come back on the field and be like, right, I'm gonna have to score again now. Do you know what I mean? And he was he was doing that all the time. Um, from a Chargers perspective, in the past game still didn't look great. Um, but we'll see if that's just the way that Vic Fangio plays. Obviously, Vic Fangio wants teams to run on him, but we probably didn't want them to run quite as well as they did. But uh, yeah, um, I wanted to mention one surprising one um, before we flick back to you, and that was um, the Jets. So the Jets actually winning a game in which their star quarterback gets injured on his fourth snap for the franchise, four minutes total into the game clock after running out with a really cool image of him with the American flag, obviously on the 9-11 Oh, man, that was somewhat special, that one. Yeah. I think the anniversary of 9-11 <clears throat> was actually the day after, was it? Oh, no, it was that game. No, yeah, it was that day, yeah. No, it was that day. Um, it was the Giants game, sorry, wasn't it? It was the day before. But, um, yeah, and they come out. He tears his Achilles, which we'll talk about separately. Um, but then they go on. They have two really bad drives. Zach Wilson has three plays that are just mind-numbingly stupid. 
Um, and they win 22-16. Defense looks great. Zach Wilson has a couple of nice drives. Brees Hall didn't have quite their gas for a couple of his longer runs, but looked good. Dalvin Cook, I wouldn't say looked good, but did enough at times. I think Brees Hall looked good, but um, Dalvin Cook did enough at times just to help out uh, when he needed to. Obviously, Garrett Wilson caught a crazy pass. and Lazard caught a really good third down. Um, so overall, it's more surprising the fact that they won in a game as emotional as that, the 9-11. Aaron Rodgers getting injured. Zach Wilson coming in, and he, he played bad as well. Zach Wilson didn't come in and play well. He came in and played bad, and they still won the game 22-16. So um, what did you make of it, obviously, from a Jets perspective, and then the Bills, and then we'll talk about Rodgers separately? Yeah, I mean, you, you, they're probably not going to get a better win than that all season, given just the emotion surrounding that. I mean, uh, to, to flick over to Rodgers, I was... Honestly, obviously, I'm not a Jets fan at all, and I've been so critical about Rodgers. But, you know, I have enjoyed him over the summer, going to the Jets and kind of looking re-energised. May I was absolutely wounded on Tuesday morning. When I saw that, I just couldn't believe it. So I feel like, I think I mentioned before, I'm like a storyline-driven NFL fan. And that's, I feel like that's taken away the, the one of the main storylines of the summer. And now, obviously, the Jets have got a lot of primetime games, haven't they? So, it's uh, yeah, crushing crushing loss for, for, for Rodgers and the Jets. But, and what's a super talented roster. But uh, flicking over to the Buffalo Bills, I'm not quite sure what to tell you about Josh Allen. He's <laughs> bad, isn't he? Really bad. Is it time to officially... Lower him down a level in the QB tiers and say you kind of work your way back up. I don't think he's kind of done anything since the crazy Chiefs Bills playoff game the season before last. I mean, last season, I don't feel like he was great. I think he was throwing hospital balls all season long and you know, there's a lot of turnovers, crazy leaping over defenders, which is eventually going to get really injured on and just, you know, just putting people in danger and just, I don't know, mate, I don't know whether it's time to kind of let, certainly doesn't, for me, deserve to be in the same breath as um, Patrick Mahomes. Certainly, I don't think, I mean, 18 months ago, you was talking level, level pegging, weren't you, with those two in the kind of like the media perspective. But uh, yeah, for me, you've got to level that one down and kind of work his way back into favour there, to be honest, because he was not good at all. Um, three interceptions, terrible, terrible interceptions. Well, I know the Jets have a great defence, but... Oh, yeah, uh, two of the back, two of the... At least, well, actually, no, yeah, all three. They weren't, like, great picks. Obviously, you're, you need to be in the right place. And I think it was uh, Jordan Whitehead, wasn't it, for all three? But, um, yeah, they were bad picks, bad picks. Double coverage twice, and then completely missed on a sale route straight to, to Whitehead for the third. And he had a fumble loss in the fourth quarter that led to the the game, was a game-tying field goal, I think, maybe, was it? Oh, no, sorry, it was the go-ahead field goal, wasn't it, for the yeah, Jets? go-ahead, yes. Yeah, so, um, so, yeah, yeah, he had a fumble as well. And there was a very specific play, I remember, because um, I actually watched this on the train on the way up and it like a 30-minute highlight version. And it was in the third quarter, and he, he scrambled as he does, got away from the first man as he does, He's at the first down marker. I think it was first down as well. So he had downs to get it. He was over the line. And he didn't get down. He absolutely nailed, got nailed left and right, shoulder into the back of the helmet, another shoulder into the chest from a player, nailed. And the commentators, I can't remember who does my day, I don't know, but, um, 
the commentator yeah, Joe's booking it now and Troy Aikman. Oh uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, they were just saying like, Josh, get down. Like the coaches would not be happy with that. They were like, why would you not just slide? You've already got the first down. I was just like, yeah, that is half the problem with them. Like it's just too much. He finished with twenty nine for forty one, two hundred thirty six yards, one one TD, three interceptions. And obviously, if that was the score with Aaron Rodgers playing, you'd be like, great defense, Jets offense efficient, didn't quite score enough, but they win the game. This was a Jets offense with Zach Wilson playing. So, um, yeah. And I thought the run game from the Bills looked bad again. I know he had 46 yards, James Cook, but four yards of carry, a couple of stuffs on third down, third and two, third and two twice. Um, Dalton Kincaid got a bit involved. They played the most amount of two tight end sets in the entire NFL, but if you're going to do that, I think your two tight ends need more than 50 yards combined. So I think there's still work to be done. Stefan Diggs looked great, but um, he always looks great, doesn't he? So I think, strange one. And I, I, I think, I know Zach Wilson wasn't great, but I think the Bills' defense is going to struggle in some games as well. That was my worry in the preseason. And I just think if they didn't have Zach Wilson, there's a chance that could be even better because Brees Hall was killing them at times. I know one of them was a, was a long drive, but he had another 15-yard run and a 20-yard run as well. So... Uh, for a guy coming off a, a bad injury. So, yeah, it's a difficult one for for the Bills. Um, and, yeah, in terms of Jets fans, it's horrible, isn't it? The Aaron Rodgers stuff, like four plays in. He's going to be out for the year. He's going to play next year, they said. But it's a hard injury to come back from. The only, obviously, positive is they did put the uh, stipulation in that if he doesn't play enough snaps, there's no first-round pick next year that gets transferred. So now they've got a first-round pick they can trade um, or take someone. But, yeah, a team that... I've, feel like most people were quite hyped on ends the season ends now doesn't it really because unless they trade for a veteran regardless of how good the defense is regardless of the fact they beat the bills they're not going to win double digits with zach wilson there and they're not going to be a playoff team are they unless they they trade for a veteran or add a, i don't think there's anyone in free agency i think it's trade only is that what gets you in the playoffs i don't think carson wentz is the answer oh my god <laughs> no <laughs> that's definitely not the answer uh you stick with Zach Wilson if you're going to go Carson Wentz or something stupid in free agency in kind of middle of week two in September, don't you? I, I don't think I can see a trade coming, to be honest. I think I would keep that first round pick now and kind of go, you're still going to have that young nucleus next year, aren't you? So and hopefully Rogers can kind of come back to as full health as you can kind of at that age. Obviously, Rogers is the same age as me. I don't know how I'd come back from, uh, from an Achilles injury. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, so, yeah, what a, what a crushing, crushing disappointment. But, uh, yeah, looks like uh, head coach uh, Salah really kind of got those guys going definitely on defence. It's going to be a tough defence. They're going to be a tough out, I think, uh, on, on, on defence this season for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. Uh, do you want to finish us off with a uh, a quick one for the bad column, and then we're uh, then we're done. Let me go for the bad column because it's actually someone I thought you was going to put in the good column. So I'm going to flip side it, go the other team, and go for the bad. And that to me is the Chicago Bears offense. Say the same. <laughs> that what I mean. That was painful to watch. Actually, like. Um, most games during the week are kind of try and go back and watch everything on uh, gaming 40. Because obviously when you watch it, Red Zone, you kind of only see the highlights and you only see a few drives and things like that. So I didn't watch this game in full at the time. So I've been back and watched it in full. Oh, my God. It was so bad on offence. It was like crazy. I don't know what to say about 
Justin Fields or the coordinators or kind of any separation that they were getting at the line of scrimmage or anything like that. It was just so, so bad. Some of the throws that he made were an abomination as well, weren't they, Fields? Some of his worst ever throws, I thought, was uh, in this game. It's just stat line at the end. His stat line looks okay, but that does not tell Mm-hmm. The story of just how bad this defense looks, and the fact that the Packers kind of had like a first-time starter. Now he's been in the system now three years, but you know, moving on from Brett Favre to Rogers to all the famers, they're moving on. I know for a fact because it's all over my timeline that the Bears were thinking those days are numbered now. But yeah, with Jordan Love looked great, obviously, but this is all for me about the Bears and Bears mm-hmm. offense just just so bad. Jordan Love had the best first game any Packers quarterbacks had ever in the NFL, which is hilarious after two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. So maybe it's the third Hall of Fame. We'll, we'll find out in like 20 years. But uh, yeah, the Bears were a disaster. There's a lot of clips going around as well about um, Chase Claypool. I've only seen a couple and it seems like a bit of an agenda. I know Carl Brandt from Good Morning Football talks about it, but uh, like he wasn't putting any effort into any plays. I don't know if you've seen any of this, but like barely like sprinting, running routes. Um, I think he committed a stupid penalty. Uh, he had nearly got in a scuffle. He wasn't blocking at all in the run game. His guys were just killing him, and he didn't look bothered on all the like that the, the videos that are going around. He ended up with obviously zero catches for zero yards. Um, yeah, it, it didn't look great. Uh, Don Donna Mooney had one good catch as well, but he had some bad drops in the game before he had his one touchdown cut. Uh, catch late in the game uh and the run game overall apart from field so three and four yards of carry uh yeah four was the most the rest were three across Killio herbert Rashawn johnson and Deontay foreman so yeah the offense didn't look great either i do love justin fields so i don't want to slag him but um yeah you're right he um he didn't he didn't look great passing down the field and do you know what else he looked bad at i felt like he was scrambling left or right into pressure all the time you know yeah, like for sure like we're like okay the left end's not beating the the left tack the right tackle but the right end the right tackle's lost already and he runs right and then he just gets killed or he has to throw the ball away or run backwards or beat someone sometimes he did beat someone and scramble for six yards but it felt like it was still just ending in a punt eventually um so yeah it didn't look it good it was one <laughs> big sequence down near the goal line where he's kind of rolled out and tried to beat one man and couldn't and then took like a double digit loss sack and it's like oh you know come on you just got to be smarter than that all the time you got to be smarter haven't you so it's i mean we both love justin fields love the excitement that he brings on the field so you hopefully this they can see some progress this season hopefully yeah because this wasn't a good start but the packers did look good their defense looked good aaron jones got injured but yeah, five yards carry when he played. AJ Dillon still looks terrible, by the way. AJ Dillon might be worse draft pick than Jordan Love was. Um, but yeah, Jordan Love looked good. 15 to 27, 245 yards, three TDs. I think he had three TDs all to uh, the same receiver as well, didn't he? I don't know, two to Dobbs, one to Jones. And Luke Musgrave tight end, 350 as well, which someone we shouted out in the in the preview that we thought was going to be good. So yeah, good one for the Packers, but unfortunately the Bears lose to, to Green Bay again. And uh the story just rolls on when it comes to those franchises. Um, but that's it for our main review. Uh, ironically, both our teams, Chiefs and Eagles, played badly uh, and we didn't talk about them. So that's what you can do when you have your own podcast. You can ignore the bad games from your team. But uh, 
your team at least won. Ravens beat the Texans 25-9. Um, strange game for the Ravens, to be honest. The offense did not look great at all, um, but the Texans couldn't do anything. Uh, Falcons beat the Panthers 24-10, as expected. Bijan looked good. Algier looked even better, which was funny. Commanders beat the Cardinals 2016. Closer game than most people thought, but a bit of a defensive struggle. Jags killed the Colts 31-21. Anthony Richardson looked pretty good. Uh, did get injured, but he's practiced all, all week, so he'll be fine. Saints beat the Titans 16-15, and the Raiders beat the Broncos 17-16, which is just two classic week one games. Those are just absolute classic week one games. Um, and now we're on to week two. Like I said, tomorrow, we're calling this Thursday afternoon. Friday, we'll have our proper preview. But as we all know, there is a game on a Thursday night. So throughout the season, we think we're going to record Tuesday, Fridays, most, if not Monday, Fridays. So we are going to have to do a Thursday night preview in our first show of the week. Uh, the game is the Vikings at the Eagles. Um, do you want to guess the spread before I tell you? Oh, four and a half, Philadelphia. Eagles are favored by six and a half. Wow. In terms of the game, uh, obviously Vikings run defense looked pretty good at the weekend, but that could just be a Bucks issue. I think it'll be important for them to defend the run. Um, but this just brings me back to last year's game, especially when I watched the quarterback again before the start of the season for the second time and watch that game where it felt like the Eagles were just killing Kirk Cousins on every single pressure. I almost feel like that's a carbon copy. But I do want to pick the Vikings because I always like Kirk. I always like the offense. I actually weirdly like the team, jersey and everything. I just quite like them. But after rewatching that game and rewatching the quarterback series, I was looking thinking oh, the Eagles didn't look great on offense at the weekend, but their defense looked incredible. So I just struggle to imagine Kirk Cousins having enough time in this game. And I, with how many fumbles, interceptions and bad passes he threw in the first half on Sunday, I just expect more of the same, to be honest. I don't think it'll be a high-scoring game. Um, but I just think the, the Vikings are going to struggle, mate, with that Eagles front. Yeah, that is the uh, that is the biggest key for me as as like a, as a fan looking at it. The, the, the D-line was dominant last year and has only kind of obviously we swapped out Hargrave, but you know, Jalen Carter looked great in his snaps last week. Jordan Davis also uh felt like he had a big uh, jump. He had a force fumble and another sack as well. He was he was causing causing a lot of problems in the middle. Big thing I say is Eagles have a lot of injuries this week. I so I did say to you I'm quite quite worried about this game. The Eagles have a lot of injuries, so three stars on defence out. So they're playing the Vikings with killers over the middle of the passing game in the middle of the field. Obviously, I'm going to go Eagles to win this game. As far as our then spread bets go, I'm definitely picking the Vikings. Oh, well, six and a half, did you say? Six and a half, yeah. I think it's going to be a really, really close game of score. I agree with you, it's not going to be a high scoring game, but the Eagles' offense, I mean, I mean, Belichick, he had. Um, I don't have much time over the summer to prepare for that, so I'm hoping that that was a part of it. And because the Eagles had the most three and outs in the league, I believe this week, and it looked uh, awful at times. To be honest, and I was like, my God, I'm been taken back three seasons. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm hoping for better against uh, against the Vikings, and I'm, and I'm expecting Kirk Cousins to be uh, running for his life at times. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Jane Hurts himself just didn't look great. Uh, his offense as a whole didn't look great, but yeah, Hurts yeah, missed some plays. He actually had a couple of bad sacks as well. Not quite Justin Fields level bad, but 
he actually had a bad, few bad sacks himself. Um, yeah, I can't just bang on about how worried I am about Kurt just getting smashed the whole game and, and probably pick the Vikings. I picked the Vikings in this game last year to win and got embarrassed. So, yeah, maybe I haven't got a good read on Vikings games, but I'm going to pick Eagles minus six and a half. I think they win by seven or ten, somewhere in that range. But I do think it'll be quite low scoring, maybe a couple of uh, touchdown and field goal maybe in the fourth quarter that just takes them beyond the Vikings. But, yeah, I just think Vikings offensive line should be okay. But I think the interior is just not great. And I think that, that against Jalen Carr and, and Co., I think that's going to be a worry. Because Jalen Carr looks really good in his first game. Like, really, really good. I do think the Vikings offense could start the game well and those scripted plays, if they can kind of roll out right, roll out left, get the run game going. But I think as the game goes on, uh, the Eagles front should be able to kill the Vikings. So, yeah, I'm going to pick Eagles minus six and a half. If it was seven and a half, I'd go Vikings. But I'm going to go uh, six and a half. So we've got our first difference, and it's Thursday Night Football. And it's Patrick. Picking against his team, so I like the hedge there, mate. Because you know, if the Eagles win by thirty, you'd be just as happy. And you don't even care about <laughs> who cares about the spread? <laughs> but exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting game for the first Thursday night football. It's great slate this week, which we'll talk about tomorrow. I'm sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good slate. We've got Bengals Ravens in the six p.m. window. We've got Jags Chiefs. Six p.m. slate this week is as good as you could get it, I think, as far yeah. as like games and storylines. Yeah, Lions Seahawks, Falcons Packers, two teams that people fancy. Obviously, Rams 49ers. I know the 49ers will be clear favourites, but after last week, that's a fun game. Chargers Titans is all like a weirdly fun game for me. Like two. One defense, you got the team can't defend the run. You got team that wants to run it down your throat. It, you got Stroud versus Richardson as well for a first NFL win. So true. Jets Cowboys has had a little bit of shine taking off it, but um, Patriots Dolphins will be fun. Bill Belichick against that offense, uh, and then Steelers Brown is uh, it's two Monday night football games by the way, which I there is, and I believe there's two the week after also because the Eagles are playing. They're at the same time though. Yeah, oh, don't day is just ridiculous. I don't get the point, but one of them is Panthers Saints, so none of us have to watch that. But um, we will break down the games properly in tomorrow's episode. And uh, everyone enjoy Thursday night football. Please go follow us at Go for Two Pod. Two being the number two. Go follow Patrick at Mugs NFL to get all your Kadarius uh, Tony jumpers that are going to be flying off the shelves after his death. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a slow week for Kadarius Tony sales, I've got to say. <laughs> right, can we have an update on Calvin Ridley Zero? After he has a good week one. Have we had a Calvin Ridley zero order yet? Not, no, I'm not, mate. No, not had a Calvin Ridley. He did look great, though, didn't he, last week? But uh, he's got to be that. I've been offered a free ticket to Jags Falcons. Someone's got a spare. So I feel like I should just go and buy a Calvin Ridley jumper off you just to to represent, but we'll see. Um, But yeah, everyone, we'll be back on Friday to speak about the weekend's games. Uh, Thanks for listening. Speak to you soon.